Welcome to Soulful Connections. I'm Amanda Solar, host and creator of the podcast and SoulfulLiving.com. This is the place people will connect you to their stories, their journeys, and how they've found meaning in their lives. Join us. Let's connect. Connection. In the following episode, we talk about addiction, recovery, but one thing really struck me, um, and I really haven't heard it discussed too much in my limited interactions with the topic of addiction, and that is this notion of, you know, fun and excitement and pleasure and, you know, the fear of what happens when I have a life that might be devoid of that because this is the thing, you know, that brought me joy. And I wonder how much of a role this plays, you know, another, I guess, types of unhealthy engagement, whether it's a relationship or a job or eating, you know, and I think it's something we should discuss. Where are we deriving our excitement and our joy? Where does that come from? And are our sources healthy? And are we afraid that if we give up whatever it is that we're thinking we should give up because we want to live our most healthy, self-actualized life, do we think that we're surrendering our excitement? I think it's a topic that we should discuss and I think we should learn about what brings us excitement. Anyway, I don't know. It's just a thought. But listen in to these brave, amazing individuals who are so willing to share their own journey and then take that journey and help other people. I am here today with Laura Waits, and Per Hagen, both with Synchronicity Recovery Foundation. And I love what Synchronicity Recovery Foundation does. Do you call it like SRF? Do you call it an acronym or do you just call it Synchronicity Recovery Foundation? It's affectionately known as SYNC. Oh, SYNC. Perfect. 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 So welcome, both of you. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. It's great to be here. I'm so happy that you are. So, Laura, you founded Sync, correct? That's correct. Or it found me, I like okay, to say. Found you. And when was that? That was back in, I guess, really, it all started in 2017. Okay. When I was introduced to a group of people who were planning a sober music festival. And they were looking for a nonprofit to administrate the business end of that uh, festival. And what we found um, after that festival was that people were really um, excited and found a lot of hope in being in a group of people, 
like-minded people. Love and it. so that was the kickoff of um, planning activities and events for people in recovery and their families to get together and create healthy relationships. That's really awesome. And I was looking at, um, I was actually looking at your Facebook page where it says that there are four components of a healthy recovery, right? Social, um, spiritual service and health and wellness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, is that, so is it that you have this foundation and then people can join in? Do they become a member? Can they just come to an event? Like, how does it actually work? Well, when they find us, um, they can, anybody is welcome. Um, we especially like when people bring friends and family and they can join us wherever we are. Um, and it's best to get on our website and then register. So we know that they're coming and we can, you know, coordinate details and let them know um, if anything is changing or whatever and just confirming their attendance. But yeah, it's open to anybody. And are there like rules? I mean, is is it, um, if somebody's struggling with addiction still, are they, should they be coming? Or if they're, you know, like, are there rules to becoming part of this? Does that make sense? It does make sense. And again, sober curious or um, people who are very new into recovery and trying to figure it out are welcome. We do ask because of some of the nature of our outdoor events um, and the fact that we want to keep people safe and our participants safe, that they um, not be under the influence when they attend our events. But if they're still, you know, trying to discover what it looks like to be in recovery, um, then we're here to support that and them in their journey. And Per mentioned when we had talked before that there was, um, I think you mentioned this part. I could have made this up. Sometimes I, I make things up. So <laughs> that there was like a training for volunteers. Um, is that so? Yeah. So um, there's different levels of training depending on where you want to volunteer. So uh, all volunteers go through a volunteer orientation, which just uh, is a basic, uh, this is what sync recovery is. These are our four core components. These, this is our mission statement. This is how you record time, you know, the basics of being a volunteer. Um, and, and then they are able to be on a committee, um, do administrative behind the scenes work, uh, that sort of thing. If they want to go on to the next level and, and be a group leader for, um, say, uh, a creative art or something like that. Uh, there's a group leadership training. And then if they want to go on further and become an outdoor adventure leader, uh, then the training gets um, pretty intense. Uh, we have them all go through CPR, AED training. Uh, then they get uh, wilderness first aid, wilderness survival, uh, map and compass reading, leave no trace. And then uh, at the end, their American hike guide trained guides. So it's a pretty intense training if you want to be out in the woods leading people. Um, are you 
do you feel comfortable sharing either or both of you your journey toward like this recovery foundation what drew you to it what compelled you to it why is it important to you can you share a bit about your journey sure um so i am a person of long-term recovery i've been substance free since october uh, of 2010 Woo-hoo. and um thank you uh <laughs> that's not my first time in recovery so uh it's been it's been an up and down ride um through uh, treatment facilities and mental institutions and incarceration, all the things that that the literature about recovery tells you will happen if you stay in your addiction. Uh, it all comes true. <laughs> um, so the last time in October of 2010, uh, I came to uh, in jail and and uh, said, what am I doing? Now, like this is this is going to be my life, right? Um, incarcerated, institutionalized and um I obviously didn't want that. And and I thought about what, what I could do differently and, and what was, what brought me passion and made me want to get up in the morning is like a kid, right? So as, as a kid, I was an outside person running around chasing tadpoles and, and floating sticks down the stream. And I was always outside and I love being outside. And, and as a troubled teen, I actually went to like an outward bound kind of school and, and it taught me a lot more in depth about some some pretty intense outdoor stuff, survival skills, and and we did, you know, snowshoeing at twenty seven below zero up Campbell's Hump Mountain in Vermont, and and um, a lot of really cool hard stuff, and and I fell in love with nature um, as like a pathway to help my mental health and to help help my substance use. Um, so uh, when I was incarcerated, there was a a, a group that came in and helped me and it was called mentor plus and they set up like a recovery plan and and where i was going to go when i when i got out and uh you know did i have a job was my car inspected did i have a bank account and all those things um so they set me up for success who's my sponsor going to be where are you going to go to meetings and and so i wanted to volunteer and get back to them so i I started doing that and i started doing some out outdoor stuff with them and that turned into a job with that agency and and so I expanded on that and started doing a lot more outdoor adventure stuff. And and then Laura and I uh, crossed paths as she was doing some of the same stuff uh, with Syn- Synchronicity Recovery Foundation. So we uh, started talking and I started volunteering for her. And then that turned into a job with Sync Recovery Foundation. So um, I came on board and we were doing one event a month. And I think we're up to about 30 events a month now. So we've expanded over the past years um, exponentially. And uh, so, you know, I found that nature, exercise, all the four core components that you talked about are essential for me to stay in long-term recovery. And that's what we want to show other people and hope that they get a passion and want to like come out and be outside or or be creative with art or or do yoga or, you know, whatever their passion is. Um, We hope that they find it and... um, keep them in recovery 30 events a month is a lot do you have so it's you two are you the only two on staff we are so we have 120 some odd volunteers that have gone through training um and and not all of them are are active some are super active and some show up every once in a while and and that's fine kind of how we expect it to be 
So we rely on our volunteers to do a lot of the work. Uh, so That's we're right. the only staff members. Yep. Um, so Par, can I ask you, so when you woke up and you find, you look around and you are incarcerated, so many people, that would be such a crushing blow that it would have the opposite effect, especially I would have to imagine if you're in addiction, um, I almost think that that would propel you further toward addiction. Like, what was it within you that it was the thing? Like, what was that? Um, uh, a spiritual um, connection, I guess. Something, you know, uh, um, they call it in recovery a moment of clarity. Um, mm. but, but there was something that said, you know, this this can't be your life. You know, there's, there's something more. And, and like I said, it was not my first time in recovery and, and I've experienced recovery and the, the benefits of it and uh, had a long time sober. I had nine years sober and then I, I relapsed and, and it turned into just a, a nightmare. Um, yeah. So I knew it was out there and, and I knew I needed to do something more than what I was doing before because I didn't stay in recovery. And, and so, you know, uh, the 12 steps... Uh, is the foundation of my recovery and the principles behind it are the foundation of my recovery. But I know I needed something more like I, 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 like my, I have mental health issues too with depression and anxiety. And I, and I knew that I needed to, to do, to do something about that. And, and I knew that nature worked and um, that's kind of been the combination that's worked for me. So I have a 12 step foundation and then uh, the things that we do with sync recovery, just, give me a passion to get up every morning and do it right it's it's fun like we have fun we enjoy what we're doing you know we were outside yesterday playing disc golf and uh it was a beautiful day and uh we were with friends and enjoying life and and that's why I'm in recovery I didn't get into recovery to be miserable so um, right yeah that's powerful that's that's really powerful and um Laura do you mind sharing some of your journey sure I don't mind at all um, let's see, I am too a person in long-term recovery. I think I can call it long. Um, it's been since July 3rd of 2012, since I've had a, a, uh, mind altering substance in me, except maybe chocolate and coffee. Um, <laughs> but I was, um, given the opportunity to go into treatment, uh, July 3rd, 2012. And um, what I found was a bunch of women like me um, that lost a lot of stuff. And they were beautiful women. They were kind. They were um, loving. And um, what they shared <clears throat> and the things that they lost, um, I, I, I realized that um, addiction is not about being a bad person or a good person. It's about being a sick person or a well person. And yes. um, none of us would have chosen this path. It, right. just, it just becomes not a choice. <clears throat> so, and also in, in treatment, I was asked um, what I was going to do for fun when I got out. And I had no idea how to answer that question. That was a um, 
that was a light bulb moment for me um, that I didn't know how to have fun. I really didn't know how to live without drugs and alcohol. I had started at around age 13 and it was um, a 30 year journey wow. of numbing and not being myself. So I had to not only get to know who I was without the drugs and alcohol, but I had to learn how to live um, and enjoy life without them. And so it took me about an hour to answer that question. <laughs> well, that makes sense. And then, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, I got to live in a recovery house um, afterwards. And um, I was supposed to stay for 90 days. I stayed for six months because I felt safe there. And um, I was with other women who were also learning who they were were and um, just making discoveries. Um, in that, I found that I really enjoyed, again, being outside. I, I found that I enjoyed yoga. Um, I found that uh, I, I could actually be in a social setting and feel comfortable, not completely, but, you know, mm -hmm. comfortable enough to have conversations as my authentic self. Um, so it was my my early recovery. I was very fortunate. I felt like I had a lot of great tools and opportunities to um, get well. And the other part um, where I feel very fortunate is that I got to work at a um, holistic wellness center. And I learned about nutrition and taking care of my body exercise and all of that good stuff and I never knew a body could feel so good like I never knew and so that all of those experiences helped form those four core components um, but I hadn't I hadn't yet discovered synchronicity recovery foundation yet so um, I at two years sober um, the shine of sobriety started wearing off and I can distinctly remember telling my parents that I didn't think I could do this anymore. It was boring. Um, I was missing, I was missing something. And um, so I, we, a friend asked me if I wanted to start a recovery house to make a long story, that part of the story short, um, it didn't work out, but we were left with a, a nonprofit. And that's when I met the um, people that started yeah. the rally, rally that sober music festival, and um, all those synchronicities led up to this point in my life, and um, it's just miraculous. I think that we can live such a happy, healthy life and help others find their passion and purpose. It's it's a it's a cool, cool way to way to be. I love it. It, it makes me even teary to hear you say that. I, I just love it. And I love the name. I really love the name synchronicity um, mm -hmm. because it probably did take synchronicities. Even I'm thinking about your paths to cross and, you know, it's, that's really incredible. Um, and I do want to say, I'm thinking as you're talking that I know for a fact that there are listeners who are either they themselves going through a, a battle with addiction, for lack of a better word, or their loved ones are, and they are feeling maybe 
hopeless, you know? And I think I, I'm so grateful that you're sharing your stories because I do know that there's so much hope in those stories. You know, there's hope that you can, like per when you said, you know, hey, I had gone nine years and then this happened again. But guess what? I still found my way to recovery, you know, and 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 you're living a beautiful profound and meaningful life and sometimes i think that i say this a lot but sometimes we work so hard to talk about having a happy life which is great and we want our moments of happiness but when you can live a life of meaning that is really deep and that's what you two are really doing because you're helping you're taking your story and you're helping other people what would you say to anybody who's listening who has a loved one, say, that's experiencing what you were experiencing? What should they do? Is there anything they can do? Go ahead, Laura. <laughs> <laughs> it's an easy question, right? It is. And it's, it's not. It's a I know. hard question. I know. And I I love people dearly who can't seem to find the light. And I love them dearly no matter what. And the best thing I can do is keep loving them. And not underlining their uh, struggles, but offering uh, being an example of a way out. Um, I can't force anybody to do anything. Um, right. But as long as I keep living my life joyfully and sharing my struggles and um, even, you know, and staying sober, that's the best thing I can do. Um, it's hard. It is hard to watch sometimes. Um, but just, and sometimes we just have to love from a distance. Right. Um, right. But when I can reach out my hand, but that person has to take my hand and hang on. Um, I don't know if that helps or provides hope. Um, and perhaps, you know, just coming and experiencing um, some of the events that SYNC does, they will get a glimpse or get a seed planted of what life in recovery looks like, that it isn't all, um, it, it, it's not that bad. <laughs> it's pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so. Does that make sense to you, Par? Yeah, so she 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 stole my one line, which was to keep planting seeds, and and someone told me that early early on, um, just keep planting seeds and being an example of uh you know what recovery can look like, and um, you know, uh, it took a while for the light bulb to go on in my head. It took a bunch of tries, and and uh, and people planted seeds for me. I mean, the 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 first time I set foot into a recovery meeting was. 
God, I was 21 years old and I'm 58 now. And it was, a, it's been a long journey. And, and I had a, a friend who I was working with who said, come on, there used to be a meeting in New Hope where you could get lunch. He's like, come on, we're going to go have lunch. <laughs> and, he, and he knew what I was doing, right? He knew how much I drank and, how, and, and what I was doing. And so he planted that seed. I sat there and made a sandwich and I listened to people's tell their recovery story and, and, and he planted the seed. And, and so I knew where to go when, when it got bad. And so we try and do that. We try and plant seeds for people. Love it. Um, can you talk a little bit about stigma? Something you said, Laura, that really resonated is it's not about good and bad. And there's so much judgment that surrounds addiction. Mm -hmm. Um, can you talk about that for a couple of minutes, you know, where is that judgment from? Did you experience self-judgment during your whole journey? And what can we all do to alleviate some of this, um, the stigma? I think that, um, the stigma is a, it's, it's been around for a long, long time. Um, obviously people who are, um, using drugs and alcohol to the point of um, losing a lot of stuff, like, you know, their job, their homes, their families. Um, from the outside looking in and not understanding why people just can't give it up after that point um, is very confusing. Um, I know I myself could not figure out, the most confused I ever was in my life was like, the last five years of my using. And that was um, because I knew I was a good person. I knew it, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't. Um, I found myself crying to the, like crying myself to the liquor store. I'd like, what is going on? And I really thought I was the only one in the whole world who couldn't stop drinking, who could, who didn't, mm. I just couldn't understand. And so <clears throat> I think this, the, the stigma comes from confusion. Mm -hmm. I think that people think it might um, be a, a weak willpower. Um, and it's, it's not. Um, I think we start for certain reasons, maybe a traumatic experience, or maybe because we're I started because I wanted to fit in. Um, I didn't feel comfortable in my skin. And when I started, it felt good. My skin mm -hmm. felt good. Um, but it, it's um what we can do about it again is understand that it is i'm going to say it is a disease it is a mental health issue it is a way that people medicate and um it is treatable um but again we have to um understand that some people have the light turn on like Pear and I did and some people don't and um but as far as stigma goes I think that we all can um take a take a lesson from people in recovery and just keep telling people to keep coming back um keep stay hopeful um and understand that 30 days of treatment is not going to fix the problem um, we need to have, um, it's a lifestyle that needs to be adopted and, um, it doesn't like a diabetic doesn't get better 
in 30 days. Um, neither does someone with substance use disorder. We need to change our, our lives, people, places, and things. And um, we need employers to understand that. We need um, people who fund programs to understand that. And uh, we need and families and friends that understand that. Love that. Anything to add, Per? Uh, for me, I you know, I mean, you see my stuff on social media. I'm I'm not um, shy about saying I'm in recovery, and and I think that's important. Um, mm -hmm. It's important to to show the world that that we're you know members of society that 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 we're you know normal people because there has been such a stigma over the years of. Um, being judged by what our actions are while we're in active addiction and our actions are um, you know my actions were landed me in jail so there were some awful actions right um, but that's not the person I am so the person I am in, in recovery without drugs and alcohol is um, a pretty good decent person who wants to have fun and, and I want to show that to people and um, I think it's important that that we all kind of kind of do that because um, we are good people. 100%. And you know, I think a lot, um, I tell my kids, humaning is hard. Mm. <laughs> I always tell them that <laughs> being a human is, is no joke, you know? And I think the interesting thing, because I see that there is a lot of judgment around addiction. And yet at the same time, when we all close the door, we all have our stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just the symptoms of addiction there. You can see them and the symptoms are actions that um, may not be appealing or they could be illegal or they could be hurtful. Those are the symptoms of somebody maybe in full fledged addiction. And so people judge that. But at the same time, we're all doing stuff that we have to address and change, you know, all of us. And I feel like me, the, I love her that you are so active in that sense, because, you know, even a lot of the quotes that you share, I certainly gravitate toward. And, you know, we're all experiencing the hardship of living in our skin, as you put it, Laura. And, you know, we're all just handling it different. We all come with different DNA. Things are, you know, different things are appealing to us. So I do think there's a power in discussion mm. and explaining and sharing. I think that sometimes it's just a lack of, like you said, Laura, understanding of what addiction is and who the addicted are. And they're all of us. There are loved ones and, you know, there are selves in some ways. So I, I, love that you're both not only doing something that is so helpful because it is helping people to live a healthy, beautiful, fun, exciting, interesting life without addiction, but you're also talking about your own journey. And it, I do really reiterate that I just think there's such power in that because we all have such shame around, not just addiction, we have shame about the silliest things in the world. If you really think about it, we, we just are, it's just this condition that we have as human beings. 
the human so condition is a human yeah <laughs> i i always i talk a lot about shame and it's like little cousin embarrassment <laughs> mm -hmm. because i think they're both uh just these powerful feelings that don't really serve us all that well actually um i wonder how many people don't get help for mental health addiction weight control whatever it is because of shame or embarrassment or you know it, it's just gets in the way mm -hmm. um yep. so the importance of you both talk a lot about having fun and i think that that can't be underestimated i think also maybe when you're in um in that state you're thinking well what's interesting is this mundane? So what is the role of fun in all of this? If we can't have fun in this life, what the heck? <laughs> I mean, come on, it's a miracle. Life is a miracle. And um, oftentimes I think we take it so seriously. And that's not to say that there aren't serious things that happen and there aren't a lot of, you know, emotional and dramatic things that happen um but if we can turn it around and look and really get down to um what this blue planet is doing in the middle of nowhere with this all these life forms on it like why how can we not enjoy and have fun with that um it's um it's essential to our human condition if we can't laugh and um, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't, I wouldn't be able to stay sober if I wasn't having fun. I know that. Um, I know that um, laughter is great medicine for our brain chemicals. I know that um, joy and all of that have to, um, if, if, if addiction is a brain disease, then we need to be making good brain chemicals. And I think I'm not no neuroscientist, but I know that good brain chemicals are important. And that's, that's, that's the fun part of it. And it's funny because, you know, it is addiction is so serious and it is such a issue um, and it's heartbreaking. And I often get concerned that I make light I, I don't make light of it, but I was concerned that the fun part um, in our messaging wasn't proper. And then, um, but I, I changed my mind on that. It has to be fun. How else are we going to attract people into recovery if, if we're not having a good time? You know, I so agree. And there's this old quote it's very trite i'm sure you've heard it but it says angels can fly because they take themselves lightly mm -hmm. and right. i i love that little quote i always carry it i believe that we all should be lighthearted i think it really helps all of us i stress it again in my family um i there's something about that lightheartedness that to me is essential in life because all of us it's not that we're just so serious about sometimes addiction we can be serious about a challenge a problem something that's happening in our life 
a person we're not getting along with, all of a sudden it becomes this huge thing. And, and I really do think at the end of the day, you know, oh, well, <laughs> I think that we have to get to a point where at the, at the day's end, we shrug it off and we smile within whatever it is that we're dealing with. There's something really powerful and important mm-hmm. about that. Um, yeah, like you said, Laura. Scope out, right? Yeah. And look at it from a, a broader view. It, it's, it's little. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is it really, you know, we're here, we we're here for like a minute. Mm -hmm. So, you know, let's kind of enjoy it. Like you said, it's a beautiful, amazing fact that we even, that the universe conspired to create the beings that we are. It's kind of all crazy. Mm -hmm. Oh, don't get me started. Yeah. Oh, oh, that could be a whole other podcast. I'm totally yeah. there with you. <laughs> I will do that podcast with you. I, I can talk about that for hours. <laughs> um, what about like rituals? Do you have a certain kind of, how important are they? Are they important? Do you have things that you do every day? Does, does ritual have a place in your life? Yeah, I have certain things that I that I personally do every day. Or so I, there's a certain set of prayers that I've been saying for the past 13 years, um, and so I say them every morning, and um, that just starts my day. And the first thing is thank you for waking me up, right? Because it is a gift, right? That's the first thing I say when I wake up. Thank you for waking me up, and uh, and I've learned that I need to be outside every day, so I am outside every day. Uh, in the woods, because I, as soon as I walk into the woods, my depression lessens, my anxiety lessens, my stress level lessens, and um, and I and I really think that play is hugely important. It's it's the greatest teacher, right? If you're playing, um, you learn while you're playing, and if you're playing playing with others and having fun with others, um, there's a bond that um, you can't break, right? You form this bond. Um, that's really, really intense. So I, I say my prayers and, and I get outside and I have fun. And that's really my, my ritual. And, and, um, it's keeps me centered. Um, I, I, there's days when we're inside working on the computer and doing paperwork and, um, like I can feel it. I can feel my squirrel brain going and And I um, can feel that. Yeah. I mean, yesterday we said we gotta go outside because it was beautiful and, and like we'd been talking about work and doing stuff on the computer and you know, Zoom calls and phone calls and all that stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Um and and um so we just went out and played disc golf <laughs> and, and it felt great and um, I think that's really important for me and, and I think for Laura too, to do those things. Absolutely. And I can't say that I have rituals per se, um, but I do have practices. Mm. And um, one of my greatest practices is being in a mindset of gratitude. <clears throat> and that um, I always have to be thankful um, and that helps me turn things around like we were talking about um, the seriousness of life sometimes. Um, being grateful for even bad experiences and what can I learn. Um, 
I too wake up in the morning and thank, thank God that I'm alive another day. Um, and getting outside and also connecting with people. I, I connect with at least one person a day, at least, <laughs> very least, um, who is in, who has, um, who is in recovery and who I could just share with. Yeah. yeah. I think connection in and of itself is, is important. Um, and then what about where do you seek inspiration? What about those days, the dreary days or, um, there's a sense of monotony every now and then. Where do you seek inspiration? Hmm. I can say I seek inspiration from the people who participate in our events. Um, but our volunteers are like, God, they fill me up so much with um, just how enthusiastic they are to be of service. Um, the other thing that I draw inspiration from is seeing somebody new who comes to our program and um, who has never seen a sunset before or who has never been in the forest before or um, they come in and they're in a crummy mood um, but by the end of the event or activity there is a light in their eyes and there's a spring in their step and that's um, what inspires me to keep going yeah yeah that's great what about you par uh everything that she just said <laughs> <laughs> that's and, what i went and, first <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and i seek inspiration from from nature like i i can just you know i'm looking out a window here over the computer and, and i can see the tree in the sky and and um i know that there's something much greater than myself just by looking at nature by you can take a little square of dirt and and look at it and see the bugs in it and the grass and the thing and and it's mind-blowing how complicated and intense this this world is and and um how little i have any control over it and uh, wow. i'm inspired by that i'm inspired by the power of nature for sure okay here's a weird question where does the name par come from it's actually it's actually pear, like the fruit pear. Um, oh. and it's a Scandinavian. Uh, it's it's Peter in uh, Norwegian. So I'm Norwegian descent. So my father kept a little crazy family in the in the family line. Okay, so this whole time I've been calling you Per, and you've just been tolerating it. You know what? It's been happening <laughs> my entire life. So I started <laughs> correcting people twenty years ago. <laughs> Okay, we need a do-over. Oh, no, no. <laughs> if I were a better editor, I would go in there and I would, every time I said your name, I would replace it with Pear. Nope. <laughs> well, he likes I mean, disc golf so much. We could call him Par and he'd be happy with that. Okay. It, it does look like Per, P-E-R. How would you pronounce it? Per, you know? So yeah. I, I get it. Pear. Got it. Okay. I'm going to put a little Pear next to your name so I don't forget. Um and then, easy question, not really. If you both were given a magic wand and you could, you only have it for a minute, so you have to move quickly, you can make one change in the world with your magic wand, what would you do? 
help people be more understanding of each other and accept our and embrace our differences. One change with a wow, that's a hard question. Um, I know. What springs to mind first? Because of the course, there thing, are so many things that we would honestly do if we could. The first thing that spring, sprung into my mind was connectivity. That was the word that popped into my head when you said it, because I think we're all scattered and um, I think we need to connect with each other. I think it's important. I love that, especially because we can end on that because, Pierre, you're on so Soulful Connections. <laughs> hey, look at that. Hey. <laughs> it's almost like we planned it. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, consider giving it a great rating and following all the things you do when you like a podcast. Thank you to William Aronson for writing, producing, recording the Soulful Connections theme song. And once again, thank you for listening. I hope you keep tuning in.